There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling everything's going my way. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of The Bing Crosby Show and The Railroad Hour with Gordon McRae. Two great shows today with wonderful sound. The Bing Crosby Show has actor Paul Douglas on it. And Paul Douglas had a wonderful career in film that basically started in the 30s but really took off in the 40s and also was in a lot of TV shows, all the dramatic TV shows um, like Studio One and so forth in the 1950s. But he's really, unfortunately, mostly known for how he died. He was uh, had sort of a Twilight Zone ending to his life. He actually was on Twilight Zone filming the episode The Mighty Casey, and they finished filming, and then a day later he died. Um, here's what uh, Rod Serling had to say about it. Serling had his reservations about Douglas. He had a reputation for being a heavy, heavy on the bottle, but it had been somewhat disp- dispelled over the last two or three years. And his recent uh, agent guaranteed us that he would not drink or was not drinking during that time. Anyway, we we look at the first day's rushes and Paul Douglas looks even in black and white mottled. High color, semi-diffuse, a breath so short that he couldn't continue one short staccato sentence without gasping for breath. So right away, I make the assumption that he's drunk. He's drinking, and I blew my top and called his agent, and I said, This is very unethical of you. You assured me that he wasn't drinking. His agent said, To the best of my knowledge, he's not drinking. Well, we finished the show, and it was a disaster. We finished shooting, I think, on uh, Thursday, and Saturday morning, Douglas was dead. What, what he had been suffering, of course, was an incipient coronary and we were watching him literally die in front of us well we did a rough cut of the film and i took it over to cbs and said to them well gentlemen this is one substantial piece of celluloid you're going to have to eat because there's nothing funny about this show and they looked at it and they allowed that it wasn't the funniest thing they had um, they didn't feel they could afford the additional money to get another actor to shoot around and put in Uh, the new stuff. So Serling out of pocket spent $27,000 to recast and reshoot uh, with Jack Warden replacing uh, Paul Douglas. And that episode is the one that aired and it wasn't horrible. It wasn't great, 
but it wasn't a complete disaster, and that's due to Serling uh, putting up the, the additional money. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see the version with Paul Douglas, but I think those uh, all that piece has been destroyed as far as I know. And it's too bad for a person to go out the way he did. Uh, it's too bad that they didn't catch it and do something, but back then I don't know if there was that much they could have done anyway. So uh, without further ado, here is Paul Douglas, a wonderful actor um, in the prime of his career at this point, and uh, I hope you're going to enjoy it, and Bing Crosby, of course, and Gordon McRae's wonderful. Sound off! Sound off! Sound off for Chesterfield! Bing says it and Godfrey too, Hope and Cole will follow through, Lester and Alan, they all tell you, Sound off! For Chesterfield! Sound off! For Chesterfield! Buy a pack of Chesterfields, do it! Today! Someone waits for me. This is Ken Carpenter. Welcome you to the Bing Crosby Show for Chesterfield. Produced and transcribed in Hollywood with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Collins with the mayors and Bing's guests, Miss Anna Maria Albergetti, and Mr. Paul Douglas. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a man whom America cheers and tailors throw rocks at, Bing Crosby. Oh, yeah. yes, Keeping Pantamelia on me. Now, just a minute, Ken. Tailors don't throw rocks at oh, me. Oh, no. Although I admit they sometimes deplore my attitude in the matter of dress. Deplore your attitude? Yes, they just deplore Why, when like you it. start down Hollywood Boulevard on a shopping trip, Foreman turns to Clark and says... Heavens, I hope he doesn't come in here. No, on the contrary, I've always been welcoming Foreman and Clark. Oh, no. Matter of fact, I had an offer. I had an offer to do a floor show on the escalator there. <laughs> I may take it, too. Why should you sing on a moving stairway? It's safer than standing still. <laughs> no target to get, get you in the crossroads. Bing, now tell me, huh? what are you going to do about the way you dress? Nothing. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> What's all this sudden uproar for, Ken? Well, now, listen to me. For one thing, your name was bandied about at a recent meeting of the Custom Tailors and Designers Association. Mine? Yes, it was. Mm. Where do I come in? Well, the secretary of the Custom Tailors and Designers says, and I quote... Yes, I listen. Women in magnificent gowns are no longer attended by escorts who look like Bing Crosby on a desert safari. <laughs> That's outrageous. They said it. Just take a look at me right now. Do I look like I'm dressed to go out on a desert safari? No, you look like you've already been. Oh. <laughs> I've had it, huh? Yes. Well, it's been a long, warm day. <laughs> that article, though, kind of gets under my skin, upsets me a little. It would. Who wrote that thing? Who the did? secretary of the Custom Tailors Association, Mr. Chauncey Hunter. Oh, Chauncey, yet. <laughs> I'm not going to take any advice from a guy with a silly name like Chauncey. <laughs> What's that, Harry Lillis? Well, you know, Chauncey isn't too bad, is he? No. <laughs> I really think, Bing, that Mr. Hunter has a point. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say that the American male has become an international figure. His clothes must be styled so that the wearer would not seem an oddity in any of the world's great cities well, or any of the remote areas in the Far East. 
I'm an oddity right here. However, when the occasion demands, I'm always very careful to dress properly. Oh, how can you say I am. I that? I get the right thing. Do you remember Elsa Maxwell's big party in New York last year? Certainly. I was outstanding. Why, sure. You were outstanding, but everybody else was inside. Oh. <laughs> well, Elsa's got the snootiest butler I ever ran into. I think he's part room clerk or an old house dick or something. <laughs> Well, no wonder Miss Maxwell's butler wouldn't allow you inside the house. Why not? It was a very formal party. You showed up wearing plaid pedal pushers and cashmere puttee. You're supposed to wear something formal. Well, my bicycle clips were jet black. <laughs> Bing, you're fighting me. Oh, uh, I mean, you should be wearing tails. Ken, how, you know how I looked the last time I tried it. I can't wear tails. They make me look lumpy. You're not supposed to tuck them inside your pants. <laughs> Oh, I give up. I wish you would. I tell you what, Ken, you give up, I'll say. Okay. Okay, the opening selection, ladies and gentlemen, is Cool, Cool, Cool of the Evening from the Paramount Picture, Here Comes the Groom, which stars Jane Wyman, Alexa Smith, and a guy who looks like he's always dressed to go on a desert affair. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Potter. In the cool, cool, cool of the evening, Tell them I'll be there In the cool, cool, cool of the evening Save your pappy a chair When the party's getting a glow on And singing fills the air In the shank of the night When the doings are right Well, you can tell them I'll be there Wants a barbecue, Sam wants to boil a ham Grace votes for Bula Bass stew Jake wants a weedy baked steak And a layer cake, he'll get a tummy ache too We'll rent a tent or a teepee Let the town crier cry And if it's RSVP This is what I'll reply Love the evening Tell them I'll be there in the cool, cool, cool of the evening. Slick them on my hair when the party's getting a glow on and singing fills the air. If the gas in my hack and my laundry is back, if you need a new face or a tenor or bass, if I can find the right sock by 11 o'clock in the shank of the night. When they're fixing to fight If I can climb out of bed And put a head on my head Well, you can tell them We'll be there All over America, smokers are switching to Chesterfield Because they've found Chesterfield gives them something new Something no other cigarette has. I mean Chesterfield mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. Over 1,500 prominent tobacco growers say Chesterfield's delightful aroma tells you that Chesterfield's smell milder and smoke milder. And one of the most famous industrial research organizations in the world reports, and I quote, of the leading brands smoked and examined, Chesterfield is the only cigarette in which members of the panel found no unpleasant aftertaste. Smokers everywhere are finding out that Chesterfield mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste is everything they want in a cigarette. Listen to this. 
Chesterfields have something new No other brand can offer you Mildness must no aftertaste No unpleasant aftertaste Sound off For Chesterfields Sound off For Chesterfields Try a pack of Chesterfields Do it Today Domino, Domino, you're an angel that heaven has sent me. Domino, Domino, you're a devil designed to torment me. When your heart must know that I love you so, tell me why, tell me why. Why do you make me cry, Domino? Just one look in your eyes and I melt with desire. Just a touch of your hands and I burst into fire. And my whole world fills with music when I'm lost in your embrace. But I know that you're fickle and I'm not misled. Each attractive new face that you see turns your head And it scares me that tomorrow Someone else may take my place Domino, Domino Won't you tell me you'll never desert me Domino, Domino If you stay, I don't care how you hurt me. Fate has made you so. You can't change, I know. You can't change, though you try. But then neither can I, Domino. Give anything that you do. Domino, Domino, nothing matters if I have you. Thank you, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. And now I'd like to present a most talented, most spectacular young lady. Young lady whose singing of Caronome is one of the big moments in Here Comes the Groom. I refer to Miss Anna Maria Alberghetti, the 15-year-old Italian coloratura soprano who is also currently appearing in the medium. And she's being deservedly acclaimed, too, for her singing in this film version of the Menotti Opera. Anna Maria, would you step out here and uh, take a bow? Anna Maria Alberghetti, folks. 
Now, what would you like to sing for the folks this evening, Anna Maria? Well, I recently learned, um, Low Hear the Gentle Lark. Oh, that's a wonderful thing, Low Hear the Gentle Lark. You know, Phil Shukin, our flute player, will be very happy because he's a very fine flautist and he never gets a chance to play more than a two-bar vamp. <laughs> but in this, this number, his talent will have full opportunity. Anna Maria, I want to turn you over now to our conductor, our maestro, John Scott Trotter. This is Anna Maria Alberghetti in Low Hear the Gentle Lark.
I guess you agree. We certainly just heard one of the great voices in this decade. It's going to be a wonderful star. I don't think Phil finished any worse than second either, Phil. <laughs> right in there. Beautifully done, Phil. Give Phil a hand. Really thrilling. Now, folks, while we're still in this classical, uh, slightly exalted mood, I'd like to have you meet a good friend of mine. This mug, I mean this gentleman, <laughs> is one of your very favorite movie actors. I believe he's endeared himself to the movie-going public not only because he's a fine performer, and he certainly is, but, but because his film portrayals have established him as one of the most rugged, two-fisted, hard-boiled characters around. This is a real earthy man. Here now is that real Hollywood he-man, Mr. Paul Douglas. Perfect, thank Perfect. you. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Say, Paul, what are you towing there? What do you got in your hand there? What's that little thing you... Is well, that a pair of brass knuckles or a revolver? What have you got uh, there? This is my eyelash curler. <laughs> uh, well, I must get one of these. I think I'll get some eyelashes, too, Holland. <laughs> and cover up those beautiful baby blues, those oh, eyes. No, oh, never no, mind baby, my baby blues. Paul, I want to buy one of those eyelash curlers. They may be the thing. I, well, who sells them? Hop along, Cassidy. Who else? <laughs> That's your, you're conning me, aren't you? No, you don't no, use no. an eyelash Well, color. I do. Look close. I happen to know that you put your makeup on with sandpaper and a blowtorch. Oh, don't give please, me that. Please, stuff. Have a thought. You're talking about Chesterfield's new pinup boy. Oh, that picture of yes. you on the Chesterfield ad. I think, to be candid, it's a little hammy. You're, you look too pleased with yourself in that photograph. In fact, you look as if you own the company or something. <laughs> How could I own anything that you and Hope and Godfrey are associated with? <laughs> Must be Bob, true. Bob and God, we don't own Chesterfield. Of course, I'll admit we've, we've tried. Well, Bing, after all, it's uh, very hard to roll a cigarette company. Isn't that droll? <laughs> roll, roll, roll. That's a cutie. Yeah. But, uh, Bing, uh, to get back to that beautiful picture that Chesterfield is currently oh, running of me. you uh, and that picture. No, 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 no. Don't be bitter because you haven't made the magazines lately. What do you mean? Well, hey, could it be... Oh, no. What's this? You're not jealous of the big layout that Gary had in life this summer, are you? Not at all. Gary can thank me for that layout in life. Oh, wait a minute now. You didn't have anything to do with putting Gary in life. Well, I was somewhat involved with putting life in Gary. I didn't... <laughs> that I must concede. <laughs> Anyway, Bing, I, I honestly think that you're just a little miffed because Myth. yes, oh, miffed, uh, sort of uh, like uh, you know the cold crumpets or something, yeah. just because you haven't hit the magazines and the papers lately. You kidding? I, I haven't hit. The... Oh, I guess you don't read the Elko Free Press, then, brother. <laughs> don't tell me. Did you crack the Elko Free Press? Page one. Look at this clipping. Where? Right Where? there. Look at the headline there. Sick bull at Crosby Ranch. <laughs> I don't crack the papers. I yeah, but that's not you. Well, I'm glad it isn't. <laughs> I but am Paul, too. I wouldn't be here. No. <laughs> but I don't. Let's cancel me. Let's not. Talk, I want to talk about you outside. Right. Now you got the movies by the tail. We know that. I'm yeah, a downhill pull. Now what else is new? <laughs> well, I've had some very attractive offers to do television. Uh, what about you? Still in radio, eh, Bing? I just can't seem to get ahead. Radio's all right, though. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Have you ever thought of going into pictures? I make pictures. Really? I yeah. must go see one sometime. Well, take along a camp stool. You may have to wait in line. 
How come? Well, wherever my pictures play, they give away free popcorn. What about dishes? They can't eat it out of the bags. <laughs> no, let it go. You should know I'm in the movies. What do you come on? After all, I did a one-minute scene in your new picture, Angels in the Outfield. Well, I, I knew you did bits, but uh, full-length features. <laughs> I mean it. Big features. That's uh, news to me. I can go the distance if I can just get a script. I'll go all the way. But, Paul, you know, no kidding. In Angels in the Outfield, you played the part of the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I know that. Yes, I did. You were thrilled, weren't you? Well, I really was, Bing, and, and I'll bet you're impressed that you're a part owner of the team. I am. Oh, by the way, uh, what part of the Pirates do you own? The part that finished last. Oh, the whole team. <laughs> they finished seventh. But don't you worry about Pittsburgh, Paul. We're building that team slowly. Inexorably, surely. I see. <clears throat> Someday the Pittsburgh Pirates will be in the World Series. Gee, I'd like to see that. I hope we still have television then. <laughs> I hope we can still see. <laughs> but really, Bing, uh, what, what do I you want to know? What's new, though? What's new with you? Are you starting a picture or something? Well, always I'm starting. I just finished one at MGM, and now I've started one at uh, RKO with Wall and Krasner. Must have a scooter or something. What's the theme of the new picture? Well, it's a, it's a picture called Clash by Night, and I play the part of a sardine fisherman. Oh, boy, that should be bigger than Tugboat Annie. <laughs> now, you know that's what the industry needs, the movie industry? Really? A picture about sardines. That'll really pack them in. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> love that. But Barbara Stanwyck is in the picture, and that's nice packing, too. <sighs> To be a sardine fisherman with Barbara Stanley. Oh. Uh, well, we're shooting a lot of scenes up at Monterey, up at Cannery Row. Did you ever go to Cannery Row and watch how they squeeze so many sardines into one little can? No, but uh, I've watched Hope squeeze money into his one little wallet. It's the same <laughs> performance. But I often go out sardine fishing when I'm in Monterey, Paul. You do? Yes, I do. Sometimes I come home with as much as eight or ten pounds of fish. Oh, well, that's nothing. Nothing, really. The first day I went out in a commercial boat with Barbara Stanwyck, we got over 30 tons. Well, I never went out with that kind of bait. See what you mean. <laughs> Solid. Uh, Bing, uh, sardine packing is a very interesting business, and I've learned all about it. Have you now? Yeah, well, you see, they have a, a sorter in the cannery. Sort of a sorter, huh? A sort of a sorter, yeah. Well, anyway, his job is to make sure that there are half male and half female sardines in each tin. Come off it. Off it now, no, Eddie. What are you giving me there? What is it? This what is difference? true, man. What difference could that possibly make? Well, none to us, but to a sardine, it and means everything. <laughs> How could I have been so thoughtless? This is an engrossing subject, Paul, I must admit, but let me ask you something. When it comes to sardines, how can you tell a boy from a girl? Well, uh... As a holdover from the Hope Show, right? <laughs> think they're going to learn something, Bing. <laughs> How, can you, tell? How can you tell well, a boy or girl from a... That is a secret that's known only to sardines. Oh, wait, wait a minute. You said there was a guy who sorted them as to male and female. How does he know? Well, he has to take their word for it. <laughs> I'm still not convinced. What about me? Oh, you're a boy. Oh, what... <laughs> what about the sorter? Well, you'll have to take my word for it that he takes their word for okay, it. Okay, pass a robot. <laughs> Anyhow, thank you. This has, been, this has been terribly interesting. I'm so happy that I got in on all this stuff. I want to thank you for this little lecture on ichthyology. Was icky, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> we should have worn tails if we'd have known what we were going to discuss. I'll be happy if somebody doesn't throw a net over us. It's wonderful. Ball to see, anyhow. I want to congratulate you. You really must have what it takes. Oh, thanks, Bing. Gosh, how can you play the part of a sardine fisherman and end up with a beautiful girl like Barbara Stanley? I say, it's nothing to it, Bing. It's my face that gets him. Don't you despair, Paul. I've heard it bandied about that you're positively handsome. 
Matter of fact, I've heard it said that you're Hollywood's answer to Dagmar. Well, we both wear the same size shirt. <laughs> well, on her, it looks better. <laughs> Say, Paul, do you want to give me a little assist? You're an old Chesterfield hustler. You, want, you want to help me sell some Chesterfield? Do, I'm always glad to sound All off right. for my favorite cigarette. You know, I guess I've been smoking Chesterfield for about as long as you've been groaning. Those were the days. We've had some wonderful shows, didn't we? And Chesterfield was a great smoke then, too. Well, if you ask me, Bing, I think they're even better today, especially with this new thing they got. Oh, yes. Mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. You grab yourself a pack of Chesterfields, folks, and I'm sure you'll feel the same way that Bing and I do. Yep. You just walk up to your favorite cigarette dealer and... Sound off! Sound off! Sound off for Chesterfield! Smokers are changing from coast to coast to the cigarette that gives them most all over America there. Listen, brother, this ain't no joke. Chesterfield's the one I smoke. What you want in a cigarette, you'll find in Chesterfield, you bet. Chesterfield. 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 Milder, 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 milder Chesterfield. That's right. Science discovered what you can prove. You better get into the smoking groove. For Chesterfield now sets the pace with no unpleasant aftertaste. So here's what we want you to do right, right now. now. Yes, here's what we want you to do right, right now. now. Sound off. For Chesterfield. Sound off. For Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfields. Do it. Today. Hey. a lovely ballad that was popular in the waning months of the summer, still seems to maintain a prominent position on the list of favorites. Because of you, there's a song in my heart. Because of you, my romance. At its start Because of you The sun will shine The moon and stars Will say you're mine Forever And never To part I only live And your kiss It's paradise To be near you like this Because of you My life is now worthwhile And I can smile because of you. Thank you, folks. 
That's the closing song for this evening, and now my thanks to Anna Maria Alberghetti and Paul Douglas for joining up with us tonight. Oh, it was a lot of fun, Bing, and I, I certainly enjoyed Anna Maria's singing. Didn't she wonderful? Yes, indeed. You know, Paul, you did pretty well on the singing tonight yourself. Well, Very classy you were on the singing commercial. I you see, I, I spent the summer in Italy. And did I you? Yes, I did. I suppose I just absorbed a little singing talent. <laughs> Did you go to Paris, Paul? Oh, yes. Mrs. Douglas and I visited Paris. Mrs. Douglas, hmm? Uh-huh. Well, that ends this conversation. Sure does. <laughs> See you around, huh, Paul? October 27th is Navy Day. Throughout the United States, celebrations will be held honoring the men and women of the world's mightiest Navy. This celebration for many years has been under the sponsorship of the Navy League of the United States. Let's all join with them on Saturday in paying grateful tribute to the heroes of the Navy. That wraps it up for tonight, folks. We'll be back next week. Meanwhile, next time you buy cigarettes... Sound off. Chesterfield. Sound off. Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfields. Do it. Three days. The Bing Crosby Show, presented by Chesterfield, was produced and transcribed in Hollywood by Bill Morrow and Murdo McKenzie. Tune in next week and hear Bing and his guest, Miss Dinah Shore. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And here comes our star-studded show train. Tonight, the Association of American Railroads presents a memorable musical hit, Victor Herbert's Sweetheart, starring Gordon McRae and his lovely guest, Enzel. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Yes, tonight another great musical success is brought to you by the American Railroads, the same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is our star, Gordon McRae. Ah, thank you, thank you, Marvin Miller, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Say, if you're in love, or if you've ever been in love, or if you're thinking of falling in love, we think you'll enjoy Victor Herbert's Sweethearts. Lovely me Benzel is here beside me to play Sylvia. My name is Franz. The story begins with a bevy of beautiful girls in the fabulous laundry of the White Peace. All we do the whole
how I hate to iron shirts. I don't mind if it's a military shirt like this one. Oh, don't iron that shirt. It belongs to Franz. And if we finish his laundry, he won't keep coming in to ask for it. <laughs> oh, shh. Here he comes. Hello, you little white geese. Is my laundry ready yet? Name, please. Oh, now, come on, Sylvia. You know my name by this time. Let me see. Your name is right on the edge of my lips. Mm. Stand still and I'll take it off. Mm. Franz. See? No, I'm sorry, Franz. Your laundry isn't ready yet. Good. I'll wait. I'm used to waiting for things. And by the way, how long do you think I'll have to wait for you to fall in love with me? You see, Sylvia, here's the way that I feel. When love would have stood as my master When love would have led me a pace My heart never beat any faster And I only laughed in his face Settle for a maybe. All right, Franz. Maybe. For every Oh. <laughs> but he ran off and left me with seven dollars, the bum. 
Now go away. Go away. I've got work to do. I... Okay, if that's the way you feel. I, uh, I beg your pardon. You direct me to the laundry of the white... Uh, your Highness! Shh! Nobody around here knows I'm the Crown Prince of Zelania. Be careful. Nobody around here knows I'm the Prime Minister of Zelania. <laughs> what are you doing here, Mikel? I lost control of the government. Oh, my poor country. You've no idea how poor it is. Don't forget I was also Secretary of the Treasury. Ah, <laughs> oh, Mikel. How I miss my native land. The rolling hills. The rippling streams. Uh, prince. The magnificent uh, uh, landscape. Uh, prince, Prince, Prince. Hey, hey boy, hey, hey, boy. Tourists we can kid But you and I, we've been to Zelani Let's face it, it's a gopher hole <laughs> But your highness, if you say the word I can put you back on the throne of Zelania Just like that Are you sure my people want me? We'll have an election I'll count the votes myself Hell, <laughs> I won't have anything to do with your crude plan Now look, Sam You aren't the only heir to the throne of Zelani but the other royal house died out. Well, I, I wouldn't be too sure. You see, 20 years ago, I slipped out of the country with a female heir. What? And I left the baby beside this laundry. Now, if there's a pretty girl in there in her early 20s, then... <laughs> Go on in. Have you got a surprise coming? <laughs> All right, I will. Uh... Is there a pretty girl in here in her early 20s? Oh, indeed. <laughs> I never had a stigmatism this good. <laughs> uh, tell me, do you all, all you little, do you all belong to one family? Oh, yes, indeed. They call us the little white geese. <laughs> well, well, well. Quack, quack, quack. <laughs> yes, I know, quite quiet. Look, is, uh, is one of you an adopted daughter? Yes, but Mother never told us which one was adopted. Well, I guess I'll have to hang around here until I find out. Uh, none of you girls are married, I hope. Oh, no. We can't get married because we wear wooden shoes. Naturally. Mm -hmm. Wooden shoes. Can't get married. Hmm. There must be something my father didn't tell me. <laughs> well, I guess you don't know the legend of Jeanette and her wooden shoes. Well, enlighten me, child. I'm listening all over. The lively Jeanette. Our fame for frivolity. The sprightly coquette. Who lived just for jollity. Had plenty of suitors. Had only to choose. And being a Dutch girl, she wore wooden shoes. When she stole out at night, all the town knew the news. When they heard the pit-patter of her wooden shoes, then the lads have a sleep. Oh, how jealous they'd get. And they'd say to themselves, who is out with Jeanette? Jeanette, Jeanette, who is out? Jeanette, clippity clop clop, clippity clop clop, over the tiles, her feet were petite, but you heard her for miles, with her pitter patter patter clip clippity clop, gossip pursued, the seat is betrayed by Jeanette, who did you? Clip clop clop, clip clop. 
You know, it's enough to make a girl spend the rest of her life barefooted. Well, 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 listen, hide me someplace. Well, well, quick, jump in this hamper of dirty clothes. Well, well, don't forget I'm in here, and when you're sorting this, remember, I'm the one without the laundry mark. Oh, shh, get in. Here she comes. Didn't I hear a man's voice in here? No, Mama. Uh, clothes hamper looks a little bulgy. Is anybody hiding in that clothes hamper? Nobody in here except us bloomers. <laughs> in the clothes hamper is Papa. Hey, Sylvia. Are you back again, Franz? Your laundry isn't ready yet. Ah, uh, but I'm looking for something you can't wrap up in a package and tie with a string. What's that? As if I didn't know. Well, it's something you can never find by looking for it. All of a sudden, you glance around, and there it is, right out of your own back window. You're right, Franz.
return for the second act of Sweethearts in just a moment. for Act Two of Victor Herbert's Sweetheart, starring Gordon McRae as Franz and his lovely guest Mimi Benzel as Sylvia. <laughs> oh, it's all right. It's all right. You can come out now. Uh, yes, well... Well, look, I, I didn't mind hiding in the clothes hamper, but you didn't have to leave the lid down all through the... We know who you are. Papa. Papa? You mean I'm the father of seven girls? Uh-huh. Cantor will never speak to me. <laughs> now, look, girls, why don't you all line up and each one to welcome him home? <laughs> oh, kiss me, my little daffodil. Daddy! Now, next, oh, uh, bust me my little buttercup. Ooh, ooh. Is there a dandelion in the house? Ooh. Hooray for dandelions. Hey, hey, this is a fine way to run a laundry. When you figure out a better way, let me know, huh? Just what's going on here? Oh, girls, girls, go wash clothes. Papa has to explain to the gentleman. <laughs> Papa? Well, sure, Papa. See, I had to figure out a way to stick around here so I can find out which one's heir to the throne of Zelania. Which one do you think it is? The uh, prettiest one, naturally. Now, how are you going to tell which one's the prettiest, Mikel? You know, powder and paint makes a girl what she ain't. Who's complaining? It doesn't matter what is done By nature for a pretty one She's never satisfied Till she her hand has tried A touch of rouge applied with skill Will make her more like nature still Her cheeks a shell like pink Are all her own, we think and as this goddess goes her way, she chuckles as she hears us say, she's pretty as a picture, blooming as a rose, grace in every movement, Bag, Mama? What? Well, I, I'm home, Mama. Kiss me. I'd rather have a nerve killed. <laughs> Hello, Sylvia. Hello, Franz. 
still waiting for your laundry? What else? Uh, go away, your highness. Your highness? Your highness? Franz, why did he call you your highness? Well, Sylvia, you may as well know the truth. I am really the crown prince of Zelania. Oh, your highness. Well, what difference does it make? Well, a, a plain girl in a laundry can't marry a prince. Marry me? Really? Would you? Oh, Franz, I can't ever marry you now. Sylvia, come back. At least I can go in now and pray. And maybe I'll find out what I should do. somebody, what does it matter who you are? Listen to me. 
must meet his fate. ruffles in a petticoat. Iron! Yes, yes, Mama. Papa is ironing. Why? Why is Papa ironing? I'm not even a Papa. I'm crazy. Iron! Oh, mangle your own petticoats. I'm getting sick and tired of this laundry. All right, then get out. All right, I will. If you'll tell me which one of our daughters is adopted. You're their father. You ought to know. You know, she's got a point there. Okay, I, I confess I'm not your husband. Then who are you? Well, I'm the guy who left that baby in your tulip garden 20 years ago. Now I want her back. She's the heir to the throne of Zelania. My little Sylvia, a princess? Yep. Now, our gal Sylvia won't have to ask that question. Can a young girl from a laundry in Belgium find happiness married to Zelania's famous crown prince? Sylvia, Franz, come in Yeah, yeah, come on in, kids We've got some good news for you What kind of good news, Papa? Don't call this old windbag Papa You were adopted Adopted? Well, then Sylvia must be the other heir to the throne of Zelania (laughs) Yes, sir Ain't it convenient how these things work out? (laughs) Well, you won't have to worry about marrying a prince, Sylvia Because you're a princess Well... I just can't believe it. Hey, uh, hey, kids, your your highnesses is... Uh, your, your, uh, yeah, well, listen, when, when the two of you get restored to the throne of Zelani, I, uh, <clears throat> I happen to know of an unemployed prime minister who is between engagements, mm-hmm. <laughs> has wardrobe, will travel. <laughs> Not a chance, Mikhail. You'll never get a job in my government. Um, our government, darling. Yes, my sweet, of course. <laughs> All right, we'll make him third assistant secretary of agriculture in charge of corn. <laughs> now, there is gratitude for you. Franz, do we have to go with the king and queen to get married? No. Let's get married right now. Oh, sweetheart. How do you like that for the ending of a fairy tale? Hans Christian Andersen, the Grimm brothers, or even when a girl marries. Yes, I'll give them cards and spades if they can top this one.
Mendel will be back in just a moment. Our thanks to Jim Backus, who was Mikhail, and to Verna Felton, to Katie Lee, Marion Richmond, and our entire company. Sweethearts with book and lyrics by Harry B. Smith, Fred de Graysock, and Robert B. Smith, and music by Victor Herbert, was dramatized for the Railroad Hour by Lawrence and Lee. Thousands of people today are demonstrating just how we get things done in America. For throughout the nation, volunteer workers are pitching in to help the community chest and to make sure assistance will be available to those who need it. So won't you help make your friends' and neighbors' jobs just a little easier by contributing generously when they call on you? This year, the expanded community services to the armed forces have been added to the long list of vital and humane Red Feather agencies. So won't you keep these extra services in mind when you make your contribution to the community chest? All aboard! Well, sir, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. And so until next Monday night and Irving Berlin's Holiday Inn with the lovely Dorothy Kirsten, this is Gordon McRae saying goodbye. <laughs> Sweethearts was presented by special arrangement with the Tams Whitmark Music Library. Gordon McRae can soon be seen in Warner Brothers' Starlit. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. This is Marvin Miller saying goodbye until next week for the American Railroads. And now keep tuned for your Monday night of music on NBC. Oh!